Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast, brought to you, as always, by the Hoopheads Podcast Network and hosted by me, Devin Zanskis. Today, I'm joined again by J.J. Rivera. He was our very first guest, if you remember from episode three, and he's now our very first return guest. What's up, J.J.? What's Everything's good over here, Devin. What's up with you? Oh, nothing much. You know, just living the dream, recording. As always here, and I'm thrilled to be joined by you again. JJ is now not only a uh, contributor at Fansided, where he writes about the now NBA champion, NBA champion LA Lakers, but he's also now the host of the Hoophead Podcast Network's own, the 305 Culture Miami Heat Podcast. So as a fellow sports business classroom alum, and of course, Hoophead podcast network host i'm super thrilled for you jj to have the opportunity to cover uh this uh historic nba finals which i know has put you in a bit of a predicament and oh. i'm thrilled that you've been able to cover that here on the hoop heads podcast network and of course at fan sided yeah it was it put me in a very interesting position these finals i thoroughly enjoyed the well not the first two games nor game six but games three four and five were absolute an absolute blast and my heart and my my mind they had differing thoughts so it was there was an interesting conundrum going on right there i definitely feel that uh jj as as we've talked about in the past where um despite being a bucks and Giannis fan first i am also a bit of a LeBron fanboy and it was it was it was definitely um you know it's it's always I'm always super excited to hear about LeBron's success and to now have him get a fourth ring and build on his uh GOAT status but would you be able to maybe share some of your particular feelings uh, around around this finals matchup uh for the guests here because of course you love LeBron too Heck, you even write about him, but uh, Heat are your uh, your first love. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not going to lie. As I said, I had very, very conflicted feelings. I was, it was it was really hard for me. At the beginning, I did a pod with Aaron Washington, who's also a fellow Heat fan, and he also really likes LeBron, and we were both... He, he rooted more for the Heat. I was really... I was really... It was really really emotional for me because I had to choose between my favorite athlete ever 
and my favorite sports team. And if I had to describe the feeling in a word, it would be bittersweet. Uh, after seeing the Lakers win, I was very happy for the Lakers after all they've been through this year. And well, because I happened to write about them. But I was also happier for LeBron because I got to continue to see his greatness. And I get I got to see him add another another chapter to his story career. One of the probably some people might consider it the greatest career somebody's ever put in the NBA. And hey, more content for me to write about because those offseason previews get really dicey when your team <laughs> When your team is bad or anything so i'm really grateful that my first year working for fan side writing about the lakers the lakers win a championship so i guess that means that if as long as i'm at fan sided the lakers are going to win championships <laughs> hey for the buck's sake <clears throat> oh, excuse me i got a fur ball i guess oh. um <laughs> yeah well i guess for for our sake here at nuck if you buck i hope that's not the case but Hopefully, at least one of us here at uh, Hoop Heads is winning uh, one way or another. Um, I know that you've mentioned how LeBron, you said he's uh, your favorite athlete of all time. Yet, um, Jimmy Butler, in my opinion, I feel like he may have had the most uh, added to his legacy as far as others are concerned uh, through these playoffs and Particularly, I feel like the story, besides besides the conclusion of, of these finals and the eventual winner, the story of it really was Jimmy Butler and his amazing, um, of course, Game 3, but also uh, Game 5. He had, he had a couple amazing performances, two triple-doubles in those contests. Um, there, are, there are plenty of stats that, that, I, could, that I could riddle off there. Um, whether they be cherry picked or not to some degree, um, you you definitely can't argue that they they do uh, they do reflect great greatness on Jimmy Butler's behalf. And me, among others, really need to put some respect on his name. Uh, JJ, could you maybe just share a few of your thoughts on those two performances? Or doesn't have to be limited to just those two performances. Just Jimmy Butler's uh, finals uh, output here for the guests. Well, I think that we we could talk more about those two games because we're well, they happen to be the two games that the Heat won in this series. I think. I think listen, of course. <laughs> I, I think Game Three was one of the greatest games a player has ever had in Finals history. I don't know if that's hyperbole, but Basketball Reference seems to think so. Because according to their game score stat, which measures the impact, their attempt to measure the, the uh, how much impact a player has on his team in a given game, Butler recorded the second highest game score in an NBA Finals game behind LeBron's legendary Game 6 in 2016 NBA Finals. Game 5 was, I would say, was the most entertaining game of the series. Oh, yeah. Obviously, the Heat ended up winning. But that duel down the stretch between LeBron and Jimmy, now that was something. That was really, really special. I think those are that was the maybe that was the duel that we expected LeBron and Katie to have for years to come. But well, Katie decided to go another path, which we don't need to discuss right now. Which, <laughs> which makes me 
which puts me in a in a bit of a I, I don't want to go on a rant here anyway but that game five duel was one of some of the most entertaining basketball I've ever seen I thought that Jimmy Butler took advantage of the of the Lakers guards they tried to put Danny Green on him and Danny Green was not strong enough by the way this series aside from solidifying Jimmy as a top 10 player in the league which we'll talk about later I think this series what I another takeaway from this series was how strong Jimmy Butler is that yes that man is really strong I never thought he was that strong but he was he was tossing Danny Green around like a rag doll and really that was that game five was coming off a game four in which the Lakers deployed the strategy of having Anthony Davis guarding him which proved to be effective because Jimmy Butler was way way less impactful in that game and the Lakers ended up winning it and I listen that was the game that made me the most angry as a Heat fan because I thought they missed a huge opportunity in that game and uh, that in those last minutes I my heart my my whole body <laughs> turned more in favor of the Heat and I was really angry when when Rondo started getting in and catching those offensive rebounds and well KCP made the dagger three coming off a Butler miss of a wide open shot that he had that listen when you're a superstar of the caliber that we expect Jimmy Butler to be you have to make that shot but he didn't and KCP made them pay KCP gave them an, an added bonus during these finals after being derided by Lakers and NBA Twitter at large for the majority of two years so a good redemption story for KCP yeah of course he was fun he was phenomenal in this series of course there is the big debate um about who was really the third best player for the Lakers and you could probably name about four guys in that debate but I've heard KCP mentioned in there as well I think it's gonna um, be I, pardon the interruption but I think it's gonna be no. Rondo mm-hmm I mean, Rondo, yeah. <laughs> maybe the stats don't reflect it, but when you watch the games, that guy was huge for them. They don't win without without Rondo's impact because when, as again, by the way, Rondo burned me hard. I wrote a scathing article blasting <laughs> him. And then the very next game, playoff Rondo was activated and the Lakers went on to win the rest of the way. And they took home their 17th championship. Yes, Celtics fans, I'm going to continue to remind you, it's 17, not 12. <laughs> as, as far as this podcast is concerned, we, we can include those Minnesota Lakers championships in for, in for your Los Angeles team. But, um, but, we're, but we're not going to get more into that. Um, just, to, just to wrap up some uh, how incredible Jimmy Butler is and um, kind of to to do what to provide some justice to maybe some of the Jimmy Butler slander that I've provided. And maybe I have yet to provide for Jimmy Butler. We just have to say some facts on his name. He is in that game three. He was the third player ever. Um, and the other two were LeBron and Jerry West to have, have a 40 point triple double in the finals. He was the first player ever to outscore, out-rebound, and out-assist LeBron in a finals. Wow. And, and that uh, game three, he was also um, 
This, this stat was thrown out there a lot. He was the only player besides Kareem and Shaq to score 40 points in the finals without a three-point attempt. Shaq uh, did it five times, which really is no surprise when when you uh, learn anything about uh, the big diesel there. And then Whoa. game five in particular, um, Jimmy put up a lot on his second, tri- er, second triple-double, of course, with 34 points, 12 assists, and 10 rebounds in those numbers have also only been matched uh, by a Jerry West. Oh, and uh, also let's not forget that that game five was the game where, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, JJ, I believe Jimmy Butler only sat for 48 seconds. Yes, he played basically the entire game. I mean, listen, in order to have a chance, the Heat had to ride him, and I think... Tom Thibodeau was thoroughly enjoying him and enjoying seeing that. Oh yeah, I'm 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 sure he he was really proud out out in New York right now, and he's and he's gonna try try and do his best to to bring in to bring in some veterans to help out that young roster there in New York. I would advise Frank Rilakina to start his conditioning program really soon because my man, you're gonna get you're gonna get. <laughs> you're gonna get run to the ground, and RJ yeah. Barrett for that matter. Yeah, I'm I'm particularly pretty concerned about Bobby Portis, but we'll <laughs> we'll we'll see how long he, how long he sticks around there. Hopefully he doesn't. Hopefully he doesn't stick another player in the jaw like he did back in his Chicago days. Shout out to Nikola Miritich. Yes, former Buck. He. Uh, Despite the last uh, playoff performance that he had for the Bucks, he uh, he would never have deserved that. But um, <laughs> also shout out Bobby Portis. Now um, I kind of alluded to it before, where I said how I think that these finals, despite the outcome, may have done more for uh, Jimmy Butler's legacy than it did for LeBron, AD, or maybe any other player that was in these finals. Do you have any? Do you have any thoughts on that, JJ? Would you agree, disagree? What do you think? Well, I would say the legacy... I'm going to talk about the legacies of each player. I'm going to concentrate more on Davis because I think it's all it's all been... Well, I'm going to say it's already been said about Jimmy and LeBron. For Jimmy, I think it turned him into a legitimate top ten, consensus top 10 player. We're going to talk about my list, which is public, so... I'm surprised NBA Twitter hasn't come at me, which I'm very thankful for. <laughs> but yeah, I think it turned him into a consensus top 10 player. Before the season started, he was on that fringe list. He was maybe top 15 because as I discussed with Bo back in my pod, after you after you leave the 10, the top 10 range, there's a lot of, it's, it's, really, it's really complicated from there on to rank those players. You got you have a lot of contenders, and I think Jimmy was there before the season started. Obviously, a lot of people, without you know, a lot of people wrongly thought that he was a locker room cancer. A, he ruined teams. He he was somebody that that caused problems due to his mostly due to his unceremonious exit from Minnesota because Chicago was pretty amicable. He just got traded. But, yeah, well, that Minnesota exit forever will live on in history. I think they should do a Last Dance document, Last Dance style documentary on that exit because, my God, that scrimmage must have been something. 
Anyway, let's not get off track here. <laughs> uh, oh man, that would be thrilling. Oh yeah, I would. I would. I would. I'd tune in every week, just oh, like I did for the last dance. Oh, me too, man. It, I, I would so. I would be so stoked that they did that. But unfortunately, I don't think they had cameras there for that. But that Rachel Nichols interview will live on forever. So we'll have. We'll, we'll always have that. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we see we see more of those uh, post. Uh, post locker room practice explosion interviews in the future, at least at least for our sake, trying to create content over here. Oh yeah, oh, for sure. We need content, everybody. So if you keep just keep keep giving us free content. Anyway, let's talk about LeBron. For LeBron, I would say it inched him closer to MJ. Uh, I think it's pretty unlikely that LeBron catches MJ as much as I love LeBron, just because that there's. A certain finals that holds him back greatly. Of course, I'm talking about the 2011 finals, which I kind of if there's a if there's a there's some dislike I not dislike but something that I feel angry about at LeBron is that was 2011 finals because my second favorite player ever, Dwayne Wade, was robbed of Finals MVP due to LeBron folding in those finals. But anyway, yeah, LeBron. Maybe it was his plan all along. Yeah, it was it was his plan. <laughs> of course all along. not. <laughs> yeah, and after that, 2012 was D Wade's last truly truly good year because by 2013 his knees were clearly not there as they were, and he wasn't flash per se. But I want to talk more about Davis now that we I went off track several times there. Oh my God. But I think for AD, it started the conversation about his place among the greatest big men. To have ever played this game, he has put up stats about stats upon stats back in New Orleans, but he didn't win. He needed to win because otherwise he'll be remembered as some guy that put up what they call empty calorie stats, which were yeah they look excellent, they put you among great players, but if you it don't mean a thing without the ring. Well, now Davis has the ring, and he has the playoff success, and I think going forward. Maybe after next season, this will be his team. And with such a historic franchise like the Lakers, I expect more championships to come his way for the rest of his career. I expect him to win at least one or two more. Which would put him in a very, very elite, in a very short list of elite big men. Oh yeah, I mean, I, he, he already is... Definitely, I, I, I'm really hesitant to give give a number of a of a top ten or twenty, but he's he's already he's already up there in the upper echelon of 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 uh, the best big men ever to play this game. Certainly, one of the most versatile ever to play the game. Um, I mean, when you when you think of when you think of how much he can do at his size, very very few players come to mind. Really, only like a. Like a Kevin Garnett, Kim Olajuwon, Giannis, and and his skill set, David Robinson, and yeah, there's 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 so much more. He doesn't even quite play like play like a big either. He's he's almost like another big guard out there, like we like to think of Giannis. Yeah, but, yeah. But for me, I think I think I tend to lean more towards uh, Jimmy's uh, career outlook having having a bigger impact on it because. I think a lot of us could see in New Orleans that that it wasn't necessarily AD's fault for their lack of success. 
Part of it had to do with some of his, his injuries, although I feel like it gets overblown how much time he really did miss there. I think it just didn't help that that a lot of it happened early early in his career when his reputation was being built. Yeah. Um, and yep. as good as Drew Hall, as good as Drew Holiday is, if you're if you're aiming towards championship content contention, I don't think he provides quite enough there, especially on the offensive end, to be that second banana. And 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 I just think even though Anthony Davis was absolutely amazing, and he even opened my eyes with just uh, how many things he can do at at only the Anthony Davis level that he that he provides. I think the fact that he was that he was alongside LeBron and LeBron took away that finals MVP. Uh, I think it just didn't do quite as much as it would, obviously, if he if he is to win a, win a ring by himself. Because I think, for me, I think, and maybe I shouldn't speak for every single listener or NBA viewer out there, but I personally never really had any doubt that that the talent was there for him to win a championship as the best player. But I think that was that was definitely something that the majority of people wouldn't have thought uh, going into these playoffs. That I don't even in the Eastern Conference, I don't think that people would have thought that Jimmy Butler would be able to to bring his bring his team to these heights. And even though there are plenty of players on that Heat supporting cast that that many, even myself, have realized that we've grossly underrated, it was really. I guess those two performances that we spoke spoke of earlier with Jimmy Butler really uh, put himself on the map. Uh, I want to talk about something that you mentioned that the grossly underrated Heat players. I mean, well, we all, I think everybody on the planet underrated Bam Adebayo. We didn't see him becoming a, a top 20 player in the NBA. But, but I think... I think that certainly helped Bam Adebayo's massive, massive coming out, coming out party. I mean, I cannot understate how, how great he was this year and how much improvement he's going to show throughout his career. And I think we're in for a very long, exciting, and possibly, well, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it or anything, but I think we're a possibly a Hall of Fame career with Bam Adebayo. It's really early. This might, this might come back to burn me. Well, the potential's there. But he certainly has the potential, yeah. Awesome. Now, JJ, I want to get into a little bit of your top 10 list here. Um, If you'll allow me, I'll list out the top 10 for the listeners uh, in order, I believe it was. But uh, I also want to uh, encourage all the listeners out there to check uh, specifically, I believe this would have been JJ's fourth podcast, and it was with Bo Estes of yeah. uh, NBA.com. I'm, I was telling JJ before the podcast that I'm supremely jealous of him for for being able to get to get Bo on the pod. Uh, not to foreshadow, uh, maybe a future guest for Nuck if you buck if uh, things break right for old Dev here. But, He's great. He's excellent. Yeah. Well, you'll hear more about that later, but. Check out episode four in particular uh, to hear more about this list that I'm about to read out here. and uh, But also check out the rest of JJ's podcasts, of course. Without further ado, uh, JJ's top 10 in order is when healthy, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, 
Steph Curry, the Milwaukee Bucks' own, and hopefully for a very long time, Giannis Antetokounmpo, James Harden, Anthony Davis, Luka Doncic, Miami Heat's Jimmy Butler, and Nikola Jokic. Now, my take off of it, and I'll admit it, Bo Estes himself on that episode four um, pointed it out right away, and it's really where I got it. I particularly think I would have slid Damian Lillard into that top 10. And I think in a vacuum, I would take Nikola Jokic before Jimmy myself. So personally, I think Jimmy would be just outside of my top 10. But uh, if if I need to if I need to hear or see a case for that myself, I could definitely rewatch any of those game three or game five highlights. Um, I also listed out here a couple other contenders whom I would maybe take over Jimmy Butler as well in a vacuum in an 82 game season. Um, and and I'm doing my best to to not cloud my judgment with along with ages and potential versus production, but Ironically, I think Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, I may also take over Jimmy. I disagree on, but on Simmons, I, but we'll get into that later. Yeah, and I, I could see that because, well, it's really ironic because Jimmy did did the most for that 76ers team that was, uh, let's not forget, a, a, a balling Joel Embiid eight-bounce Kawhi Leonard shot away from going to the Eastern Conference Finals and playing our Milwaukee Bucks last season. Um, but yeah, those are my three there that I think I would take over Jimmy Butler in a vacuum, but I can definitely see the argument for placing him in that number nine slot. Um, another thing I wanted to mention that I heard from from a pod uh, just today actually was, was when someone mentioned um, like, like, could you even imagine taking Paul George over over Jimmy Butler maybe even a year ago? I, I don't think I would have, but of course, uh, those two had polar opposite playoff performances. Um, a few others that I would like to say are near Jimmy Butler's level, but I don't think quite at the same level would be a healthy Clay Thompson, uh, Jason Tatum, and then, of course, a 2020, or pardon me, a 2019-2020 season uh, health, Chris Paul. Uh, JJ, I'll finally let you uh, give me your thoughts there and 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 defend anything that I've said. Well, but. okay, I'll disagree on. I can see Damian Lillard, or maybe even a healthy Kyrie Irving, over Jimmy, but Dame, he was statistically one of the worst defenders in the NBA. Uh, I certainly think. Listen, offensively, he's much better, but what Jimmy brings on the other side of the ball is just invaluable. He's, he's an elite two-way player, a truly elite two-way player. And maybe it's just personal preference. I am not a super huge fan of, well, Dame, Dame makes them at a very uh, a pretty efficient clip, but shooting it from from 40 feet, it's not, it's not a... It's not my type of winning basketball. Only the only guy we've seen do it effectively while winning rings is Steph Curry. But 
you know, that's when what happens when you're the greatest shooter to have ever stepped on the hardwood floor. But that's another discussion for another time. Embiid, I think it's more the durability issues with Embiid. And when he's when he's fully fit, he's unquestionably a top ten player, and I would certainly put him over Jimmy. But the as as I said in one of my pod podcast episodes, availability is the best ability. And Simmons, Simmons on the defensive end, he has proven himself to be one of the best in the in the entire league. Certain certainly this season, earning first team all in all defensive honors. But on the offensive end, he's he's almost a minus. He's he's not a full minus because he, he he can drive to the basket and his playmaking ability is really good. But on the offensive end, I'll take Jimmy. And on the defensive end, Ben is not as superior on the defensive end as Jimmy is on the offensive end for me to take him over Jimmy. By the way, I. Yeah, I heavily disagree. I get what you're saying there. I heavily disagree on healthy clay over Jimmy. Just because of uh, the unknown on how much offense clay would be able to create for himself, that was kind of my big hesitation. But I think I think what Jimmy showed us this showed us this year that he's a great, he's a really good playmaker for himself and for his teammates. And yeah, he can't shoot from outside. He was statistically the worst, the worst shooter in the NBA. Not Russell Westbrook, Jimmy Butler, but Jimmy Butler evaded, didn't catch all that slander from NBA Twitter. Good for good for us Heat fans. Tatum, I could see it. Maybe if he does, if he plays like he played from what was it from January up until the shutdown, and he does that for a full season, then I'll be willing to put him over Jimmy. I think Tatum. Gonna be really special. He's already. I get special. wanting to see more of him, though, to be able to say that for sure, and that's why I put him uh, definitively behind Butler. Yeah, but I would like to see him do that, like the level of play that he sustained from January to the to the shutdown, and even through the throughout the playoffs, he showed he showed that he, he might be ready. But I want to see him do it throughout the full eighty-two games. Well, not eighty-two games because players rarely play eighty-two games. But I want to see him do it because he's he's a good scorer. He's a good defender. His playmaking is improving, and I think that next season the East people say the East will be better because Katie and Kyrie will be healthy. But I also think the Celtics they might lose some pieces. They might actually trade for for a true center and not roll Daniel Thice over there. Shout out to the scout that said that. The matchup between Bam Adebayo and Daniel Thais basically a wash. Good for you, man. Good for you for for saying that, really, and good for you for staying anonymous because that would have been a really tough look. It's, it still is a tough look. And CP3, that one's interesting because CP3, he, I think it was more. I think I'm just really concerned about his age and his durability issues because. I think the Thunder did a really good job of, job of managing his minutes because he clearly he he cannot play a lot of minutes every any given night because well as we saw with the in 2018 when the Rockets demanded a lot of him physically he just couldn't hold up that's what tends to happen to small guards as they age they they can't hold up with the level of play 
because small guards have to be fast in order you have to be fast or extremely smart which Chris Paul and his prime was in both cases that's why he's one of the greatest point guards to ever play but in order to sustain that level of play well into his 30s it's really rare to see do we have any small guard like Chris Paul to have played really effectively into his mid 30s I don't think we have right I mean, just off the top of my head, probably like a John Stockton. Maybe John Stockton, yeah, that's the only one. At a similar level, but I mean, John Stockton's uh, about as enigmatic as, well, no, we've we've seen some pretty big unicorns here, but just in terms of like longevity at the the point guard position, he's pretty enigmatic. Yeah, and and not only point guard, but a small guard. And I think that yeah, small for the point guard position. I get what you're saying. Yeah, that's that's where I was trying to get at. I mean, it's really tough to stay at that low. I think CP3 has got a couple seasons left in him. Maybe the the two th- the two seasons where he's owed forty plus million. Those might be his last two seasons. Maybe maybe less. Maybe a season and a half. But we got to see. I'm, yeah, I'm not doubting Chris Paul. I, I love you, Chris Paul. I've been seeing you. I've been watching you play since I was little. But yeah, man, we, you got to say how it is sometimes. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Knuck If You Buck with Devin Zanskis. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and our other three team-focused NBA pods, Grizz and Grind, Cavalier Central, Blazing the Path, and the 305 Culture Miami Heat Podcast. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Pod, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Yeah, I think I think in a way, Jimmy and Chris Paul play at, they have a pretty similar game between the two of them. But Jimmy is just just has more size, strength, and can just defend more positions. Chris is obviously more of more of the shooter, but I'd say Chris is probably the most definitively behind Jimmy Butler. There, um, I already kind of said said my take on Clay, where just his his lethal his lethal shooting and one healthy. Uh, comparable level defensively on the perimeter was my case to have him near Jimmy Butler, and then Tatum. I left him behind because I've I've seen flashes of everything as we as we all have of playing at the Jimmy Butler level or better. But I would just like to see more of it. I think Jimmy on defense is slightly superior to Clay, mostly due to his ability to play the passing lanes. Being one of the, he's one of the best in the league at that. Who saw in the playoffs? He was he was a terror in the passing wings. He would he would cut off your cut off passes, and that would lead to transition opportunities, which are winning plays. Yeah, I I particularly if I'm remembering correctly in that game three, I want to say game three performance. I watched both of the highlights of both games last night, but he even like poked it poked it from behind from LeBron and then ran ahead and, and got and got the wide open dunk. It's winning plays like that that really that really epitomizes who Jimmy Butler is. Um 
And then I guess just quickly my my other takes on on the on a few other guys that I mentioned. I think Simmons and Embiid, I think they they both have the ability to be just as if not more effective than than Jimmy Butler. I just clearly like the roster construction there if not just for that brief uh post deadline season. When, whenever it was when they actually surrounded Simmons with shooters, it might have even been his rookie season. Whatever, it's not my job to cover the 76ers, but yeah, I, think I was would- really afraid of Simmons when he came in because I saw a lot of similarities to Giannis, but also areas where he's clearly better, such as such as passing, where if they just surrounded him similar to how they surround Giannis on the Bucks, I think, oh boy, I, I would just not be a fan of that. It's It sickens me to even, to even try to articulate this. And Embiid, I think we've seen... Well, we've definitely seen just throw back to last Christmas where both both of these guys can play at at the level of, of a top tier player in this league. And I think with Embiid, it's just I guess, well, one is similar to Simmons with the roster construction and needing to get someone who can who can handle the ball and be a distributor to some level so they can even get the ball into Joel Embiid, but also um, he like having enough space around him so he can feel comfortable and not uh not entitled to sticking on that perimeter because if he just if he just sits in the paint he could just destroy everyone a la Shaq I feel like with with his combination of of skill quickness and size at that position I would I would certainly not discourage him from developing a three-point shot because it would add another dimension to his game but but yeah I think teams get so relieved when he just pulls up and shoots from from the top of the key and you're you're bailing out the defense really because in this league I don't think anybody maybe AD can hang with him one-on-one in the post but maybe Giannis too but I feel like those are probably the only two guys that could hang with him in the low post because otherwise I don't I can't think of anybody else he's just too strong and his post moves are really refined, and I really, I really hope that. Well, I'm not hoping for the Sixers because Heat fans don't. Us Heat fans don't like the Sixers after all the things they said in the offseason when we acquired Jimmy. But for the sake of Embiid and Simmons, I think I sh- I hope that the Sixers turn it around and construct a roster around them that makes sense because they have shown it. They have shown that they can coexist and be successful together. Yeah, I definitely think it would be, unless a meteor were to come and strike Earth or something, I think it would be ridiculous. I don't even know how that would correlate with the reconstruction of a roster, but I just think unless pigs fly or whatever, like it would be ridiculous for them to trade two guys of their talent on the same team. Two, um, two players I think it's with, all the other pieces around that they have to adjust. Two players with the potential to be top 10 players done. in this league. Yeah. Um, and then I guess just uh, chugging along further, I guess my my defense in of Dame is just that he he just he just really blew my mind to only the level that I that like Stephen Curry has and and at a fairly consistent uh, rate this season with his scoring ability and I think that alone I th- I think that alone can drive just 
just an amazing offense. So I think that alone, I would take him over Jimmy. But he's, but he's obviously the only one here where where I can't really make make a case that he does it on both ends, similar to that of a Jimmy Butler. So, like I've said, it's it's certainly defensible and maybe the right decision to put Jimmy in that top ten. I'm just I'm just maybe a little skeptical of that on that point. But he's certainly on the fringes at the very least. And, um, and, and Dame's defense. Yes, please. I said that he's one of the worst statistical defenders in the entire league. But that's due to him having to carry such a large load of the Blazers offense in order to keep them afloat. I think if that needs to be said. I still think I, I still value two-way impact so much over being absolutely elite at one end but being a negative on the other. Yeah, I, I hear I yes, hear you take. on that. I think he definitely has has the the size and has been around long enough to to be at least average on that end if he tried, but it's like like you said it's understandable for him for him not to be when he has to do literally everything on offense. Um but that being said, um apologies if if any of that stung a little bit even as I try to to be more of a Jimmy Butler apologist versus the antithesis that I have been all this time uh, hopefully you'll get more of, more of a kick out of this next talk here uh, a mailbag question from a listener whose identity I will not release for his own well-being considering the question um, <laughs> he asks can you rank the teams most likely to lure Giannis away oh buddy you better get that's it everybody we're not even into November and we're already having these talks even on Nuck if you buck you better get out of Um, Milwaukee quick because they're gonna come for you yeah yeah good good thing I haven't good thing I haven't shared shared my address like I maybe mentioned on a previous podcast (laughs) because I'm sure there'd be there'd be torches outside of my apartment right now but here here's my ranking and this is also inspired by you and Bo discussing this on a previous podcast. Thank you. And it seemed like you had a very similar position, at least at that number one spot, with the Dallas Mavericks. If it's possible, they don't have they don't have have as much available cap space as of today as a couple other teams that we'll mention, obviously including the Miami Heat. But on that podcast, that episode four of the three hundred five culture, and me right now, and every other time that. That I've thought about it, despite them not being on the Bucks, just a Doncic, Porzingis, and Giannis team just blows my mind, and I'm just uh, let let's let's hope that in another world I'd, I'd hope that would be the Bucks roster. Let's just say that. I'll quickly run through my other two team, or I have three teams actually. The uh, Raptors, then the Heat. I think they're both pretty much, they could maybe be like a 2A, 2B. But you had mentioned uh, Giannis's relationship with Masai Ujiri. And I think that, if nothing else, puts him, uh, puts the Raptors uh, a half step above. Um, but I could see it going either way. Then I have the Miami Heat for obvious reasons. If you need an example, just look at uh, this past playoff playoff performance. 
And uh, fourth, in my fourth spot, I will put just because they've been mentioned so much, but they're in my last spot clearly because they just clearly don't have the flexibility to do that at, at this point. And it would also require a lot of moving and shaking and most likely some help from the Bucks, which they wouldn't be so inclined to do. The Warriors are in my fourth spot of four spots. Um, I can go into a little more detail on some of that rationale, but JJ, uh, what are your thoughts on that? How how does how similar is your list, or how does it differ? Well, I understood the question like who was most likely to lure Giannis away from Milwaukee. If we're talking about we're talking Ooh, okay about okay. the best team possible, the best team that best could be we formed, can kind of do both. The best team that could be formed would absolutely be the Mavericks. That would be an all-time trio right there. <laughs> It would be insane to think about. I mean, that would make Kevin Durant to the Warriors look like like nothing, really. Because, in my opinion, they would. It would be now that I really think about it, it would be perfect. Because Porzingis operates more in the perimeter as a shooter. He can operate also in the low post, but they use him more of a, as a shooter. Doncic is an advanced playmaker for his age, and I guess that's his understanding of the game grows even more and his abilities grow even more he'll be an even better playmaker and and a shooter he actually didn't shoot very shoot very well this season but i expect that to improve and then you add Giannis, and if you deploy him with off the ball movement and setting picks in the pick establish a pick a pick and roll between luka Doncic and Giannis and the kumpo that's unguardable really i i can't think of a more unguardable combination than that what I think would hold Giannis back from going over there is the fact that I think Giannis enjoys being the star, really, and going from being understandable at his level. Oh yeah, he's the back-to-back MVP and he won Defensive Player of the Year, so that's nothing to sneeze at. Sneeze at, and I think he really enjoys being the star, which I wouldn't blame him. In. So, uh, the most the teams I rank them in the most likely to lure Giannis away. I think the Raptors are in first place in that regard. First of all, there's Masai Ujiri's and Giannis' relationship. They know each other from way back. Masai helped Giannis' family out, and I think Giannis will be forever grateful for that, as as would anybody, really. And the Greek population in Toronto is pretty, is pretty big, as I've read. And... You've got a whole country behind you, man. That's nothing. That's something that no other NBA team can say. Then we have the Heat. With the Heat, they are very appealing due to their culture, famous Heat culture, the young talent that they have, and the location. I think the loca- location, maybe for Giannis, it might not play as much as other, as maybe American athletes, I would say. But the location Miami's a beautiful city and I've been there a lot of times and I love being there and the Warriors I think they're listen people maybe it's just people like to talk I wouldn't I would never never rule them out because I remember when I first read the Kevin Durant to the Warriors rumors I I scoffed it off I said he, that'll never happen and well you and me both, JJ. Yeah. You and me and the rest of the world didn't think it would happen. And well, lo and behold, 
the last yes, four years were I think they were the, the worst four years of my tenure as an NBA fan <laughs> I'd have to agree the, Let's, the cost me, I was, I was going to say that's closest to the dark ages that yeah, cost me, at least as far as basketball is concerned oh, as far as yeah. everyday life we might be more in the dark ages but I mean it was it was so bad because I actually wasn't looking forward at least to the 2017 or the 2018 seasons because I knew how it's how it's going to end. Really, I mean, that's why I hate how the Rockets play. Well, hate's a strong word. I dislike how the Rockets play. I mean, you can tell me more about Mori balls and all that, but watching them plays it's, it's it, it takes a toll on my mind. But. I was rooting so hard for them in that Western Conference Finals, and I was so heartbroken when Chris Paul got injured in that that game. It was it was really it hurt me so bad, really. And then the famous twenty seven straight missed threes, and that's all she wrote. Anyway, I think the Warriors they have to they have to do a a lot of cap gymnastics in order to pull off a move I I certainly think they have the best trade package for the Bucks if they are pursuing a trade or if Giannis demands a trade but I think that Giannis ends up leaving it will be via free agency unless he forces he forces a sign and trade like KD did and well he chooses the team and the team that he has chosen has to give something back then that would be really interesting but I think I, I want him on the Heat. I think, obviously speaking from from a biased perspective, but just because of the defensive potential of that team, and with the Raptors, it would be an absolutely ferocious defensive team. You got OG and Inobi, Pascal Siakam, and Giannis Antetokounmpo on the other side of the court. Man, oh man, that would be that would be a scary sight to behold as you're dribbling up the court. Yeah, I think, um, so I totally agree with your first two most likely in that same order as well. And like you and like you were just saying too, I think whichever team Giannis were to go to, well, maybe in any case, I guess in any case, whatever team he goes to would certainly be in contention, but those two teams would be almost guaranteed the number one defense in the NBA if you were to have either, either a... Uh, Giannis Pascal and OG or Giannis Bam and Jimmy uh, I I just have it in that order if nothing else for Masai Ujiri but also I always I always kind of wondered how much or if it would at all have an impact the fact that Giannis would have lost have has lost to both of those teams in the playoffs these past two years I wonder if he would if he would feel any Kevin Durant vibes going to either of those teams but yet again trust if, me it would never be as bad as Kevin Durant no and also him being less in touch with i guess maybe like him being less in touch with social media him not being american and maybe not playing into all of all of the chatter of us fanboys he he might think the least about that out of out of anybody else but i i like to think that that would hopefully (laughs) i Definitely wanted to think that that would play some factor in him returning to the Bucks, and that he wouldn't want to want to go play for a team that either that has either beat him in the playoffs before, or or going to the Warriors because obviously the Kevin Durant situation, and he wouldn't want to be 
the second huge star to to jump on that bandwagon in recent history. Uh, and but the Mavs fall third behind those the Raptors and the Heat. I think just because of of the roster flexibility and them probably already being super satisfied and hopeful for their championship odds with Doncic and Porzingis. Not that they wouldn't be excited to add Giannis, but maybe less less inclined, less willing to give up as much, less willing to risk it. Because they, they would definitely have to uh, make some negative value trades or they'd maybe have to use the stretch provision on a DeLon Wright or... Uh, Dwight Powell, and that would still probably only be squeaking in uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo there, but definitely a deadly trio if that were to happen. And then, like the salary cap concerns, but even more so with the Warriors, I have it down here in the 2021-22 season, just the salaries of Steph, Clay, Draymond, and Wiggins. And now, of course, one of those four Definitely not Steph, but one of those four would have to come back. Two of those four, essentially, I think. Two of those four, if you want to make a trade package, because they have to trade somebody if they if they want Giannis there. <laughs> yeah, um, just those four combined are already at 139 over 139 million dollars. So there's absolutely zero cap space to bring in Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Giannis has already made a, already made a statement that he wouldn't demand a trade, but kind of. I had almost written that off, but your mention of of how uh, Kevin Durant was able to execute the sign-and-trade there with the Nets, along with D'Angelo Russell returning to the Warriors, kind of after he was already done with them, makes me concerned and causes my my mind to wander there that maybe he could still force a sign-and-trade without kind of doing something similar to AD and demanding a trade earlier on, but they still fall in my fourth spot there. I mean, uh, um, I want to say, let's say that the darkest timeline comes comes true, and God help us if that happens. But if you're the Warriors, you're you would rejoice if the if you can if you can give up only Draymond and Andrew Wiggins for Giannis in that case, right? Because if I'm if I'm the Bucks, I'm pushing hard for Clay. But I'm pretty sure that the Warriors won't do that because of the fit. Because half two of the greatest shooters around of all time around Giannis, it's it's basically unstoppable. Yeah, I think I think my concern with the Bucks there, well if I were the Bucks, I don't think I would want to take back more than one of those contracts, just because one of them alone is already is already pretty significant and would be taking up essentially Giannis's spot there and and those two contracts as they are now I don't know how far out they go specifically beyond just obviously like I just mentioned both the Draymond Wiggins in addition to the Clay and Steph contracts are guaranteed for that 2021-22 season I wouldn't want to take that back if I were the Bucks unless it was I certainly wouldn't take it back unless it were an expiring deal otherwise it would I think it would just be putting adding gasoline to the dumpster fire that the Milwaukee Bucks would certainly be if Giannis were to leave. But yeah, because you guys are... The, that's definitely the darkest time. Yeah, the team is built specifically for him. Unless Chris Middleton becomes KD like he did in game... What was it, game... 
game four against the Heat, where he just couldn't miss. Well, he does that for a full year of that. I guess you guys will be fine. But he hasn't shown signs of being able to do that for a whole season. Yeah, I would I would just certainly be in shambles if any of these possibilities were to come to fruition. Oh man, I, I would e- even if we were even if we were to get anything back I, for if it. If I were you, I would just pour myself a drink and let the night play out. Yeah, I I'd pour my myself a few drinks and let <laughs> and let the and just let let the week run out and see where I am there. <laughs> it would be very dark and I, I, I don't want to put the listeners through that anymore. So I'm, I'm going to force us to move on here, JJ, and kind of in that similar vein. And there's, there's, a, there's a very quick answer and reaction to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway to hopefully um, maybe open, it, open up the eyes of the listeners here on just your perspective regarding the shooting of the Miami Heat. Does the lack of shooting with those two other stars being Bam and Jimmy concern you at all with the fit of Giannis? Uh, I'll say on the offensive end, it concerns me a little. But if you have two other shooters, and unless, which is another discussion for 2021, if the Heat will be able to retain Duncan Robinson. Because he'll, he'll cer- if he keeps up this level of play, he'll certainly command upwards of at least $15 million, I would say, right? Oh, yeah because he's somewhere around there i would suppose i'd say i'd say that would be kind of right in his wheelhouse there because he's earning right now he's earning around one point something million i can't remember right the right the right figure but it's extremely low yeah it's, and for a player of his, it's less than two million yeah for a player of his caliber that's that's a that's a that's not a steal that's that's you robbing the whole train, train. yeah <laughs> but anyway we already talked about the defensive potential of those three guys on the, on the court together, there would I think it would there would certainly be the best defense in the league. But on the offensive end, if Bam manages to develop a reliable mid-range jump shot, which I'll touch on later, or if you want me to talk about that now, anyway. Oh well, I was just gonna say like this question, which. I kind of thought was maybe silly to ask and would immediately lean into something like, a, well, no, I'm not concerned because then I would have Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo on my team. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but as far as far as how, how it would work offensively and how, how you'd be able to maximize that ceiling, it would still certainly revolve a lot around retaining the shooters that you guys have. But I was wondering kind of, yeah, I guess – Long-winded, I wanted I wanted it to lead into your thoughts on Bam Adebayo and his three-point shooting potential because because we have we have seen seen a number of long twos from Bam and and it looks like they they go in if not at a good clip it looks like his jumper looks pretty clean yeah well it looks clean he throughout his career from either side of the of the court either the left or the right side in the half court he's shooting around league average for in those areas. If he can become just a, at least a, not elite, because it's really hard to get to that point, and it takes a lot of years and a lot of hard work, and I'm not questioning Bam's work ethic. It's just that hey, it's really really hard to get there, and stuff happens along the way. But he might be able to re to shoot some threes at a decent clip 
Maybe he tops out at 30%, let's say. I think that's enough for a player with his physical ability and his IQ. Because if he... An improved jump shot would make his dribble handoffs, which is how the Heat offense operated with him on the floor. His dribble handoffs, his his passes from the elbows, it would be much more dangerous because the defense, the defense will be... If the defense stays up on him, the driving lanes will be open for him and his teammates, and he's a he's an excellent passer. I would say, aside from Jokic, he's the best passer at the center position. But Jokic is probably the best passing big man of all time, so yeah, that's a pretty high bar to clear. To clear. And if they sag off him, he can make them pay from the perimeter, which would then force him to close in, into him. And he's really fast. For he's really nimble. He's really quick with his feet, so he could drive past them. Or as I said, uses really good passing ability to find his teammates and it would open up the defense the offense excuse me and if you deploy Giannis mainly off the uh, off the ball if that's assuming we get we get him then the uh, then that would be that would be really something man I think Spo, coach Spo with and his staff will be able to devise something creative there they're probably the he's probably the best coach in the NBA so I, I think this this playoff performance it would force me to agree with you, and I think many people would have would have agreed with you before as well. Um, but yeah, I just kind of wanted to echo a lot of what you said there. A lot a lot's been mentioned about Bam, and and although he's he's one of the best the best switching big men, one of the most versatile big men, especially on the on the defensive end, he's I can't disagree with with your thought on his elite passing ability, especially that position. Um, but also there's, there's been a lot of talk on, on his other, on his other guard skills, being able to bring the ball, ball up the court and not looking lost at all. And, and I remember there's mention of from uh, Seth part now who, who does some sort of work with the bucks and him, him mentioning how, how amazing Bam Adebayo did in, in the ball handling drills when he was in the draft process with the Bucks, and they were immediately like, yeah, he's, he's not going to be there for us at that 17 position. But yeah, I just, I just, it's one of the most perplexing things to me that, that we don't see him kind of showcasing that more because his, his long twos do seem fluid, but I also do, do respect, uh, Guys like Jimmy and Bam just sticking to what they do best, especially when they have have players around them that are about as good as anyone could be, like a like a uh, Tyler Harrow. Shout out the Milwaukee legend and, uh, and Duncan Robinson. By the way, a new song just dropped called "Tyler Hero" by Jack Harlow. So. Oh, I I'm I'm very well aware. <laughs> I can't say I'm particularly a fan, but I am, of course, a Tyler Harrow fan, being from. From Milwaukee, I I wish I wish he would have. I listened to it once, and I feel like he just kind of said his name once and had like one or two lines about him. I, it's cool that he has has his name in the title. But I thought he was he was gonna. I don't know. I'm not gonna say I'm a. I'm not gonna say I'm a. I'm a Harlow fan or whatever. I thought he was gonna drop a few bars in that song, but he. he oh man, didn't. that would have been. That would have been amazing. I would have loved that so much. <laughs> um. I'm sorry. So just get, getting back to the point too. Also, we we also should shouldn't forget. And I feel like this maybe this maybe could have played too big of of an influence when we were doing kind of our top ten players on the league evaluation with Jimmy. 
let's let's not forget how much of an anomaly he was this it was uh this year from the three point line for him. He went from over the season he shot uh 24.4% from the three point line. Obviously not good, but then in the playoffs that jumped to by over 10% to 34.9% and it was on the same volume value or excuse me, volume at only only two threes attempted per game, but like we said, he doesn't need to do that for this team to succeed. And looking back on some other playoff stats for him, he shot similar to this past regular season, only 26% in the playoffs in the 17 and 19 playoffs, but then he shot uh, 47% from the three-point line in the 2018 playoffs for the Wolves. And and um, yeah, he, he, shot, he shot particularly pretty well from three for the Wolves in the regular season. Obviously not that well, and that was a smaller sample size, but... Ever since he was a most improved candidate, besides this year, he's been right right around thirty five percent shooting, with limited attempts, be it only a few per game. But I think that's that's a respectable percentage. <laughs> oh yeah, ab- absolutely. Like he's definitely, although this season may say otherwise, I would I wouldn't say he he's a sieve at all from the three point line, and I I still don't really I don't really necessarily picture him as. Well, I don't know. I, I don't want. I don't want to say he's a great shooter after this year, but when I picture a lineup and and think of Jimmy Butler as a piece there, I don't really see him as a liability with the spacing, and he clearly can do much more besides that. Yeah. All right, and then let's see. We're getting towards the end here, so JJ, I wanted to do uh, knock a few bucks weekly draft analysis. And this one is very interesting. I've been looking forward to it for a bit as I ran one of my million 2K simulations with, of course, the Los Angeles Lakers after they won the championship. And we were able to draft a six-foot guard out of Stanford, only a a slight 160 pounds, and that's Tyrell Terry. Um, And I'll go through some of his strengths and weaknesses here. His strengths, well, his number one skill is clearly shooting in which he particularly excels off the dribble and on pull-ups. He shot 40.8% on five attempts per game. He has he has up to logo range and has that traditional left-to-right footwork that I've mentioned before, which seems kind of odd, but definitely not as pronounced as in like a, like a Desmond Bain, like we had talked about before. It seems kind of more, I don't know, that... It seems more more aligned and simultaneous that left to right footwork when uh, loading up for the jump shot. He lines his hips well to the basket, and uh, although he does also kick out his right right foot oftentimes, um, however he he does maintain those wide hips similar to that of of a Steph, uh, Steve Nash, and a Trey Young. And uh, the analysis that I was that I was reading was saying that as long as he's consistent with his form up top, um, then then that pronounced right foot kick out doesn't matter as much. And and I I tend to believe that because if if you watch some Steph Curry clips, like I've I've done a little bit of review lately, he Steph is super inconsistent with with the bottom of half of his jumper, but uh, no slouch there is. Uh, which is about the coldest take of all time. A uh, Tyrell Terry is he's he shot a forty two percent off of catch and shoot shots off screens, um, 
And although he doesn't take many mid-range Js, he's capable there. And despite his size, um, he's able to finish at the rim with, with some of his craft and his decent handle. He doesn't have a crazy Kyrie Irving ha- handle, but he's able to get to his spots and finish with the with his average to above average touch, I would say. And he was actually he was also able to finish at a really impressive 61.5% on non-transition layups. And on the defensive end, although that's where he's certainly a slouch, like we've mentioned with his crazy tiny size, um, he's really excellent in playing the passing lanes. Um, and then getting into his negatives, obviously, no. Um, this was setting the evaluation. No one under 170 pounds, which Tyrell Terry is only 160, played significant minutes in the NBA in 2020. And he doesn't have really good technique and his effort sometimes lacks when getting around screens, but not as bad as like an RJ Hampton that we had that we had mentioned last week, where he's just inviting people to get into the lane. Um, and then, yeah, he often kind of gets into a stance late, and then has a lack of awareness, and definitely will need to uh, improve that if he wants to be near average at that end. Um, but as far as improving on the offensive end, he's he's his skill level's elite there, but he's definitely going to need to increase his passing velocity uh, on turnovers. And then from there, um, let's see. I wanted to, for the listeners, I wanted to give a little update on the Rocky Rococo situation that I had mentioned. Uh, JJ, if you haven't heard... Um, we had a transaction, our first one of the offseason for Nuck a few bucks. I think I saw it and on Twitter. That was, yeah. <laughs> um, so in exchange for advertisement on this podcast, Rocky Rococo will be sending me uh, their famous Rocky Rococo uh, jar of sauce and a coupon for a large whole pie. And um, this particularly hits home for me because I actually worked there for, for a little over two years. I... I made pizzas, was slinging that dough for a real long time, and I like to think I could still whip up a mean Rococo Chicago pizza. But uh, I just actually slid into their DMs today because I want to make sure I had a good advertisement in before I tried uh, to leverage this deal to them. So I wanted to implore everyone to go check out Rocky Rococo's, get yourself a nice thick pizza despite... What I know is a preference for many people in Milwaukee. Milwaukee-style pizza is incredibly thin. Just, you, you got you got to enjoy that dough. The more, the merrier. And also, I wanted to clear up that their pumpkin pizzas, I had advertised them as pumpkin pizzas, but they're just pumpkin-shaped pi- pumpkin-shaped oh. pizzas, everyone. <laughs> you had me so scared there you're, for you're a not, minute. You're not getting pumpkin pie. That's not, it's pizza and pasta. There's no dessert. So I want to clear that up as well. But you know with Halloween coming around this Saturday, I will be putting in my order uh, probably right as we get off of the podcast here for a uh, for a pumpkin-shaped motherload pizza. And you can also go to their Twitter and you can, you can vote for, uh, since we're in voting uh, season right now, I implore all of you to go out and vote and 
not to make light of this very serious election, you should also go to the Rocky Rococo Twitter page and vote for your favorite pizza that you would like to have as the promotional slice starting in January. I voted for the meaty motherload. For those who don't know, whenever you see motherload, that means stuffed crust when you go to Rocky Rococo's. So go get that cheese stuffed crust. Go to Rocky Rococo's. Get your pumpkin-shaped pizza. And then if you still want some pumpkin pie after, I guess you could just wait till Thanksgiving or go somewhere else. But that's not their specialty. If I ever, and it doesn't I'm, need to be because they're freaking amazing. If I'm ever at the Milwaukee in the Milwaukee area, I'll I'll ask you where it is. Definitely, if I'm ever in the Milwaukee area. Well, you know, JJ, I could always just make it for you since I am oh, well. the Rocky Rococo expert in the land, despite Mr. Rococo himself. Um, I don't think Mr. Rococo that- will will appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely not the rock father, but I'd like to say that I became his protege in that two, uh, two and a half years starting when I was 15 years old. Um, but at that, I think we're going to leave it there. JJ, again, thank you so much for joining us here on Nuck If You Buck. And congratulations again for uh, being a part of the Hoophead Podcast Network, launching the, the 305 Culture Podcast. Keep up the good work at Fansided, and uh, I hope you I hope you you've enjoyed covering this this historic NBA Finals uh, despite the uh, unfortunate outcome. Well, fortunate outcome for my team, but fortunate outcome for my favorite player. And Devin, thanks for having me again, man. I I, I really had a good time. Of course, anytime. Seriously. Um, and now that you've been back a second time, we'd like to consider you. Uh, a real friend of the pod. And is there anything else you'd like to you'd like to plug here for the guests, JJ? Well, you can check me out on Twitter at, at JJ Rivera NBA. I post weekly articles for Lake Show for Lake Show Life. I'm currently doing a series on the I'm examining the Lakers rich history of dominant duos. I started off with Kareem and Magic. No disrespect to Elgin and Jerry or Elgin and oh, I'm sorry, Jerry and Wilt, but they only won one championship together so i decided to start up with kareem and magic anyway this week i'm dipping my toes into the magic worthy duo and after that i there's there's the big one you know the one that we all know defined probably our childhoods it's it's the, the kobe shack lakers yes sir i'm really looking forward to checking that out jj and thank you so much for jumping on again, and I'm sure we'll have you again on Nuck If You Buck. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and thank you, JJ. I'll see you in another life, brother. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started. Thank you for tuning in to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. 
We hope you join us again. See you in another life, brother.